Welcome one and all to episode 61 of the Scum and Villainy podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat, it's Noah to George. How you doing, buddy? Man, I gotta just, let's, let, let me just give one moment to say, last week, mm-hmm. our live stream was... Uh, I I thought it was incredible. I oh, thought it was man. so great. Yeah, it was so it was it was really wonderful. Yeah, if you guys um didn't get a chance to listen to it, it's still up on my YouTube channel. I'll definitely include the the link down below. But yeah, we did a uh, our first ever live stream. Uh, my first ever live stream, not just for this show, but in general. Uh, and we did a a fundraiser um supporting the What Choice campaign for uh, abortion access, which is led and 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 started by Star Wars fans. Uh, and we had a bunch of different really wonderful. Wonderful uh, creators and, and and Star Wars fans on the show too. Uh, we got fun, we got serious, we got sad, and then we got hopeful as well. So uh, yeah, I I was very nervous, <laughs> very nervous <laughs> really? starting it off because really? I was just like, oh man, there's so many different people, and you know, I, I really believed in the cause and I just wanted everything to go well. But I thought I thought it went really well, uh, and yeah. of course, everybody that we had on brought just such wonderful insight and uh, did such a terrific job. They were really the ones that you know are. We have to thank for for you know having the show Absolutely, go as well as it yeah. did. So and, and um, I, I I will say even from an inside perspective, um, so I can't even imagine kind of an outside perspective. But from an inside perspective, mm-hmm. um, I gained a lot of insight. I gained a lot of you know kind of fleshed out opinions on things because as the person that I am, obviously this is a uh, an audio yeah. format podcast, but right. I'm a white male. Uh, and so I've kind of been in the position of, well, my voice doesn't really matter in some of these places. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, you know, and, and because of that, I had not had a fully formed opinion on what this meant for a lot of people and sure. being able to have a discussion about it and hear things really solidified my place because I really wanted to be, you know, somewhat central on it and say, well, I understand why this might have happened, but you know, and I know that there are, there are people that are are affected by this, but hearing kind of so many different perspectives coming from so many different places and colored by the lens of something that we can all understand. Yeah. My position and it was so solidified to the to the point where I feel like the people that I'm surrounded with, I can have a genuine conversation with and say, actually, there's a lot of things you might not be thinking about that I learned. Yeah. So really, really grateful for that and mm-hmm. for the people that we had on and were able to chat with, you know? Yeah. And we, I thought one of the the best parts of the conversation and the one that was like, like almost another degree topical, just specifically for Star Wars fans is like this idea of when, when we have these kind of terrible tragedies that happen um, and it, it's not just unfortunately the, the Roe v. Wade and the removal of that, but, you know, shootings and other national tragedies, the things that happen that just make us sad, you know, uh, how we can kind of turn to the fantasy and turn to the silly pulpy sci-fi adventure and how that kind of helps not only offer perspective and the tools and the knowledge to be able to you know, kind of keep us on, on, you know, uh, stay on target, so to speak, but then also to like, just be this fun escapism. I thought that that was a really nice conversation because I've seen so many people just kind of be like, like, you know, kind of turning their nose up at like going to star Wars or going to any other kind of fantasy comic book things at a times like this. Cause that is so serious. And these conversations are so serious that it's like, Oh, you can't have these mature conversations with, without turning to your space fantasy stuff. But I, I just really liked that. 
we had this discussion of how characters within Star Wars or within other kind of pop culture mediums are able to inspire us and propel us. And, you know, just as, you know, if, if we're having a tough day and it's like, you know what, I just really want to watch that lightsaber battle. I really just want to watch, you know, <laughs> yes. my favorite, my favorite lightsaber battle or that, you know, the, the battle of Scarif and Rogue One or just something that just makes us happy, you know, how valuable that is to, to kind of keep us going. But yeah, everything that you're saying right on of, you know, you and I being, uh, being what we are, there is almost kind of like a limit to what we're able to express and to even know, and to have a lot of different creators come from a lot of different perspectives and, and just share, you know, what these characters mean to them. Them, um, what this ruling means to them, how it affects them. Uh, like, like you said, the insight that was brought was, um, was, uh, incredibly valuable. And I'm so, uh, so happy and so pleased that everybody, uh, who was able to come was able to come and who was able to listen and donate was able to do so. Um, so I will of course be including a link for that down in the description. So if you guys did miss it, um, please give it a listen, please support the, what, uh, what choice campaign, uh, because, uh, I really believe in the cause, uh, and it's, um, founded by some really knowledgeable, really passionate star Wars fans, uh, yeah. which is, you yeah. know, that's why we're all here, man. That's why we're all here. It is. It definitely yeah. is. It's why we're here today talking about more stuff, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we are getting back on the, you know, our, our kind of typical coverage uh, that we have here, um, t- uh, talking about the latest and greatest, uh, of course, in Star Wars news, as we set up top, uh, because this week we are breaking down some new images and details for Cassie and Andor in the Andor series, as well as an update for Taika Waititi's Star Wars film, uh, as well as a character who may have or could have one day appeared in Kenobi. Uh, Also, I'm going to be giving an in-depth review, Noah, at the end of this episode of my experience at Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland, which I was able to do um, a few weeks ago. If you guys are listening to the podcast, I went um, as uh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was, was, you know, happening and airing, so we didn't really have a chance to to dive in uh, in in depth too much about my kind of experience of going to the park, but now that Kenobi has uh, wrapped up, we, we have a little bit of a break. It's not a super heavy news week so we're going to be diving into all things galaxy's edge uh, and you've got some questions for me so i'm excited uh, to see what yes, questions I you do. have and where yes, your curiosities lie <laughs> yes i definitely have plenty of questions yes and i'm uh, i can't show it off too much but i've got a little kind of you know show and tell i guess you know <laughs> uh of kind of some of the things that i got uh and some of the things that i saw and characters that i met and all that kind of stuff so yes, look you show to me that. and we tell you exactly. that's we'll how this works <laughs> asmr style of me just you know clicking together the things that i bought but um so yeah so if any of those topics uh interest you you can jump ahead to the uh to the time in the uh the timeline of where those will be happening because i have put the time codes in the description uh so you can jump around to any of those topics that interest you but noah first off star wars and or uh some images have been released by empire magazine uh their upcoming uh issue uh coming out in august of 2022 is covering all things Andor, uh and it features diego luna's cassian Andor and stellan skarsgård luthan on a speeder Uh, Showrunner Tony Gilroy and star Diego Luna took the stage at Star Wars Celebration to give some details on the series, of course, saying that it will consist of two seasons, 12 episodes each, uh, and it will begin five years before the events of Rogue One. But uh, in this issue that Empire has, they interviewed Tony Gilroy, where he was able to give a pretty thorough breakdown of the structure of the show. Uh, And this is what he had to say. He said, the scale of the show is so huge. Directors work in blocks of three 
episodes. So we did four blocks in season one of three episodes each. For season two, we looked and said, wow, it'd be really interesting if we come back and we use each block to represent a year. We'll move a year closer with each block. From a narrative point of view, it's really exciting to be able to work on something where you do a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then jump a year. That's fascinating to me. I don't oh, know about awesome. you. Um, that's awesome. But the structure of this and what Tony Gilroy is talking about here, hearing that quote, I was just like, wow, like that's not at all kind of what I had originally expected from this show. When you hear Tony Gilroy's kind of breakdown of what structure of uh, the structure of season two specifically is, season one seems like, you know, kind of your typical Star Wars Disney Plus show. When you hear of the structure of Disney uh, of uh, season two for uh, Disney's Andor, kind of where does your head go? Well, I'm wondering if it's something that I mean, I don't know. I don't see myself getting tired of something like that, but you know, maybe doing like a, uh, do you think it'll get tiring if it's like, okay, we get three episodes in and then the next one begins with one year later. And then three episodes after that, it's one year later. <laughs> like, I don't think that it's going to be that, you know, cut and dry. I would hope not. So that interests me in a way that's like, you know, we have a set story to tell of something that happens this year and we are even now clued into the fact that uh that whatever we see next will be kind of the you know the evolving nature of the empire specifically is what i'm expecting yeah and kind of how do those things change literally being able to see that from one week to the next mm -hmm. of how have things changed in a year yeah. that's something that i really really am hopeful for because especially when it when it comes to kind of the the nature of change in the whether it's the rebellion the empire the first order you don't really get a scale for that sort of thing i think the mm -hmm. biggest change you're able to track is what happens uh you know in return of the jedi versus five years after and that's only because we've had so much exposure to that sure. and it's shoving it right in your face saying, hey, things are a little bit different these days. Yeah. But going from one week to the next and seeing like, okay, a lot has changed or maybe not that much has changed. It just looks a little bit different. Yeah. Um, it's definitely one of those visual um, bold ways to say, hey, this thing is growing. This thing is progressing. You can literally see it. If you don't remember what it looked like, check back at the last last episode you know mm -hmm. yeah i think it's very very interesting and i honestly can't think of a show that has done anything like that you know i mean the closest thing i can think of is like 500 days of summer you know sure <laughs> where it's yeah. like let's let's really really switch time periods not time periods but like let's go back a little bit let's jump forward a little bit Let's see. Mm -hmm. You can visually see these characters are a little bit more worn down or they're not as worn down or yeah. what's the difference there. So, yeah, yeah I think I think it'll be I think it'll be really awesome, honestly. You know, it's kind of funny because you were thinking of 500 Days of Summer, which is a, a great example because it does flip flop. You know, it's like here's yeah. kind of the when they first meet and then here's after they kind of break up or, you know, quote unquote, break up and then go back and back and forth. Not to spoil 500 Days of Summer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the most popular movies ever. Uh, but I actually think of another romance series, not a movie, but a series uh, with the before trilogy because there's. Oh, a before, yeah. Yeah. Before um, 
sunrise before sunset and then before midnight in between each movie is a period of 10 years, not only within the story, but within the filmmaking because the movies mm-hmm. came out 10 years apart. And you, I, I could see people thinking of kind of like, that's so weird for a season of television to, you know, in, in, and throughout the, the show, uh, what does the math work out there to how many years will be covered in season two? Um, it would uh, be, let's see, three episodes a piece. So that's four. So yeah, coverage of four years. Yeah, I could see how people could be like, wow, we're going to be covering four years in one season of TV. How are we supposed to do that? And to me, I'm just kind of like, well, if we have three episodes and hopefully I will say, hopefully if they are about 55 minutes to an hour a piece, because that's something that I've really, I know the budget of star Wars is high and, and time and money is a legitimate kind of concern here, but especially watching, you know, the boys recently or stranger things, to, uh, especially stranger things is like, damn, I'm like, super super long episodes yeah yeah uh, but more so like the boys or something like that to where they are 55 minutes consistently 55 they minutes to an hour, hour. Yeah. uh milk very nice uh but yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but this the, all that to say it did kind of make me be like oh man i wish i had this much to dive into every single week with star wars to where with you know the the debut of a new episode it really is kind of like a roll of the dice to where it's like oh great we have a 45 minute episode of kenobi okay next week is only 35 minutes not that it's a bad thing or we don't feel like we're we're getting that substance but that 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 consistency is nice of being like no we're getting 55 minutes all that to say if we have three episodes 55 minutes a piece that's a movie, you know, like that's mm-hmm. a long movie at that. So if we're able to have essentially four different movies showing the growth of the empire, showing this evolution from just after Revenge of the Sith all the way up to Rogue One to where the, you know, people are actively fighting back against the empire, but it's not this full blown assault on the empire just yet, uh, especially at the beginning of New Hope. There does seem to be that's kind of the point of the Death Star, the boot hasn't fully dropped yet you know uh, Palpatine has taken over but it's not this complete grip and you know uh, you know uh, immovable kind of object yet yeah they talk about at the beginning of um at the beginning of New Hope of the uh, them capturing Princess Leia is going to offer sympathy for the rebellion or for the for the Senate. So it does seem like there is this kind of push and pull there between the Senate and between that still kind of established government and then Palpatine and his his machinations. So I'm curious to see that kind of freedom just eventually kind of devolve or kind of showing how. You know, this uh, we've talked about it before of kind of this um, that that old kind of analogy of if you put a frog in boiling water, it's going to hop out. But if you put them in you know cold water and then crank up the heat, it'll eventually kill it. That kind of idea, seeing that unfold, but with through the lens of Star Wars, especially in today's day and age of how power is given over. And we see uh, a galaxy who, you know, maybe does view the Jedi as traitors and how they eventually they feel like they've been lied to and they need need to stand up and to fight back, especially from uh, Cassian's perspective of, you know, he feels really frustrated with Jen that she hasn't had this transformation. So I'm excited to see that transformation uh, take place within himself. So especially seeing, you know, that the show is going to deal a lot with Mon Mothma and her her place in the Senate and seeing the, the governmental side of things. I know that that's, you know, mostly what we've seen with Mon Mothma has been season one. We obviously haven't seen a trailer for season two, but I assume that she'll also have a role in season two as well so to see that kind of side of things evolve over five years and to see how things politically are different from year to year 
I think it's really fascinating and it's, you know, it's, it's something that kind of makes me even more curious to what this show um, is going to be rather than just, yeah, season one is Cassian Endor and he's got to get a thing and he's on a mission and there's a MacGuffin and the, you know, the story's over. It really does seem like Tony Gilroy and Lucasfilm are interested in portraying this idea of change and how this kind of um, oppressive force can evolve and, you know, continue to step on the galaxy in ways that are, Maybe difficult to notice day to day, but once you jump two to three years ahead of time, you can really see the full picture of how things have changed. Yeah, if there's one thing that you can kind of, uh, you know, count on with the difference in, you know, especially looking at it, you know, as if they were movies, yeah. um, there's one thing that you can count on movie to movie, and this is true of all of the trilogies, is difference in tone, right? Yeah. And, and what does that mean in the context of a long series? Will season one have one, you know, solid tone and will season two have four different tones four increasingly yeah. heavier tones? Well, it, it, um, it really does not to cut you off, but it does seem like, oh yeah, Gilroy is kind of describing that here. Cause he says that the directors are working in blocks of three. So Tony Gilroy being the showrunner, we did get an idea of, of what some of the, the, the WGA and some of the, uh, the, the writing credits of the show would be in the, in the, the directing credits. Excuse me. Um, but this idea of having these different directors come in and offer different stylistic kind of approaches to the story is fascinating. Yeah, that's something I'm very excited for. Um, again, the the tone of it, um, I do hope that there is some difference in tone in the first season. I, I still love the idea of having it be season one being the groundwork for how things change and being able to look at it that way. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, really, really exciting and very, very interesting news yeah. um, to kind of, I guess, predict what this might look like, you know? Yeah, and it could be interesting to see, like, if this is like a political show, but also showing this more active rebellion, it could be very interesting to see a show to where it feels like the choices are removed from these characters to where it's, you know, it eventually leads to Rogue One where you have to actively strike and fight back versus just, you know, uh, arguing in the Senate and feeling like that's not really like a helpful tool. I'm, I'm curious to see if the show is going to paint that picture of we tried to do it through, you you know, those uh, your, your typical negotiations and then getting to aggressive no, uh, negotiations, if you will. Like, I'm, I'm fascinated to see that portrayal. So, yeah, no doubt we're going to be able to get kind of a, a better idea of what the show is going to be because it's coming up sooner than you would think. Uh, the first two episodes of Andor are debuting on August 31st and will air the other 10 uh, each Wednesday thereafter. So very excited to see more from Andor. And we probably should be expecting maybe another teaser or some TV spots coming soon. So. Uh, getting excited for Andor. Can't wait to be talking about that there. Uh, until then, Noah, Taika Waititi's Star Wars film uh, apparently will not be shooting this year. Uh, Taika has, uh, did an interview with The Wrap, no doubt uh, promoting his uh, newest MCU film, Thor Love and Thunder, uh, where Waititi revealed that he's still trying to figure out what the film's story will be, uh, making it sound like principal photography is perhaps a long way off. So uh, this is what Taika said. He said, 
said uh, when asked if the film will be coming out this year or will they begin uh, sh- or, uh, shooting this year more uh, more uh, more likely, uh, he said, not this year. I'm going to be in New Zealand from August until the end of the year with Our Flag Means Death and Time Bandits. And during that time, I will still be writing. I'm still trying to figure out what the story is. So, you know, not much of a, uh, any details on what this film will be because it seems like Taika doesn't really exactly know. So when you hear that this story is still kind of in the early days, does that give you a little bit of pause or are you kind of, you know, maybe even reassured a little bit more? Honestly, it's, and I hate to say it this way because I'm sure it sounds bad, but I can definitely wait for this. Um, mm-hmm. And not in the sense that it's like, oh, no, I'm not excited. Um, I can wait for this because I know that Taika Waititi is a busy man. Um, yeah. Our Flag Means Death has been very, very popular. Um, it's something that I know that he takes a lot of pride in. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing him talk about it is just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'd be hoping that you give a hundred percent of yourself to this, uh, yeah. if not 80% at the very least. But, yeah. um, yeah. So that's one of those things where if he is taking his time with this, if they are allowing him to kind of have his, his way with the process, um, and not rush this along, that's totally fine by me. That's mm-hmm. absolutely fine. Um, because this is something that I wouldn't want to rush. We've talked a lot about, you know, what is Star Wars going to look like when it comes back to the big screen? Um, and I don't want it to feel like it has to get churned out by a certain date. I know that timelines and things are are important to the fans, um, but those things are so fluid in the eyes of production. Um, yeah. I mean, just look at Marvel's slate. It's been an absolute it's been an absolute wild west out there. Yeah. So, you know, something I'm not concerned about. Um and I'm glad that it sounds like he has a little bit of control over what this might end up looking like. You know, that that definitely gives me a little bit of reassurance. Yeah. And for me, it's something that like, honestly, I could see how some people might be like, ooh, you know, a little nervous for Tyke's film. He doesn't even know what the story is. For anything, I am like more reassured by this because to me, it says that Lucasfilm isn't like tightening its grip on him. Um, I'm sure they're, you know, uh, keeping tabs and have an interest in how the story is developing, but it doesn't seem like, hey, you need to have an outline by next week or, you know, this, this story is getting scrapped. It really seems like they're kind of letting him navigate the story that he wants to tell, making sure it fits into Star Wars. He's talked about that a lot of how he has kind of a, a certain, you know, um, a certain sensibility to his filmmaking and kind of making sure that that's respectful of Star Wars, but also maybe going in some new and exciting directions, especially in the tone, which we've uh, talked about here. But um, you know, for a lot of people, uh, maybe not myself included, but maybe even so to maybe to a little bit of a degree, uh, with the, the sequel trilogy and some of those other films, when you're pumping out a movie a year, time is, you know, of the essence and, uh, some things that might be, uh, developed a little bit more patiently now kind of have to get accelerated a little bit. So this idea of letting him tell the story that he wants to tell, making sure it's fits, making sure it's well thought out and uh, has the heart that Tycho is known for is not an issue for me. If he was trying to juggle all of these things at once, I could see how that would make me uh, a little bit weary, but I'm glad that he's kind of like, you know what? I've got this really popular TV show. I'm going to work on this other, you know, very, 
very uh, adventurous, ambitious sci-fi film, fantasy film. I'm going to work on that. And when all of that is a little bit more settled, then I can come in and give Star Wars the attention that it deserves. So for me, I'm not worried here at all. If anything, this is good news. Yeah, that that writing bit, especially um, being able to take time and not not know quite yet what the story is. Um, I was trying to find it uh, while you were while you were just talking, but uh, there was a quote um, from Neil Gaiman, who Mm -hmm. famously wrote uh, Coraline. Yeah. Um, And someone kind of asked him uh, what like, how do you how do you write a story? And his his answer was like, okay, write everything that happens in the plot down then in the second draft, figure out what you're actually trying to say. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that that's one of those things where revisions are a natural part of anything like this. Mm-hmm. And I know that Taika Waititi is kind of praised for what he's been able to do with Thor Ragnarok and people are excited for Love and Thunder and people are excited. For, you know, he's he's got his kind of his resume. Mm-hmm. Um, but these other things, especially things like our flag means death or some of his earlier work like boy um is something where it says yeah this guy is he is a smart writer and takes a lot of time this isn't this isn't going to be the next thor ragnarok this is going to be something he devotes a lot of time to Mm -hmm. not to like quote unquote save the ship but to actually tell a story yeah um so yeah we'll see i mean again that's that's a good part of the process is those revisions and things. Yeah. Um, so I'm totally on the same page with you. Yeah. And we'll definitely uh, know more about the show uh, in the coming years, <laughs> months, maybe. I don't know. Um, but just kind of this interesting idea, because I did rewatch Thor Ragnarok last night and I was just very surprised how much that movie kind of lessened for me in, in regards to my love of the film. It lessened like pretty severely, actually, because uh, I hadn't seen it since it was like out in theaters and just rewatching it. I maybe was like, oh, I maybe did didn't like this movie as, as much as I thought I did, but just kind of this interesting idea and this problem that some people have with uh, Ragnarok and even from kind of what I've heard Love and Thunder to a degree is this yeah. idea of tone uh, and it's like more comedy film than not. So I'm very curious to see um, if uh, or if, you know, if it does and to what degree the reception of Love and Thunder might affect this film, who knows? You know, I don't know if this film is pretty early on. Maybe they, you know. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's, it's interesting to see uh, how that will play out. But this idea, I will, and, and, you know, even if Thor Love and Thunder is not people's favorite, which I'm sure a lot of people are going to enjoy the film, I think my point is more of like, you know, in regards to tone, Marvel is wildly varying in tone, and, and the comics are as well. You know, the tone of Deadpool and Old Man Logan are not really similar at all, but mm-hmm. they still are under the same umbrella of Marvel. Where with Star Wars, generally speaking, other than maybe like Dr. Aphra, <laughs> uh, it's mostly kind of the same flavor of stories, or they fit well within one another. That's kind of what makes Star Wars kind of uh, unique in that. Um, so I am very curious to see him maybe try to be be a little bit more cognizant of staying in the lane, not necessarily coloring in the lines, but this idea of this has a set tone and a set idea of what is and what is not Star Wars. So to kind of navigate within that, but let's see how we can expand this in an interesting way. Very curious to see um, how this is going to be figured out. And it also seems like he is still curious to see how it's going to play out (laughs) as well. So uh, we will no doubt be getting some more information on that uh, soon, hopefully. Uh, So very excited to see um, what is next for Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie. 
Uh, in the meantime, no, we did get some details on another movie, but one that will never see the light of day, uh, and that is the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, uh, which was supposed to happen. Of course, we now have the uh, the series, limited series, season one of the series. I don't know. We don't, we don't really know. Uh, but we did get some details on some characters that may or may not have played a key role in that movie. Um, in the uh, in a new interview with the direct Stuart Beatty, who was initially brought on to write the Obi Wan Kenobi movie, revealed that Commander Cody played a big role in his story, uh, and he said the following. He said, yeah, yeah, Cody was the big one. I love the idea of Obi-Wan having a buddy on Tatooine, like a secret buddy. So like the first time he goes into town, you see Cody and he's following him through the streets and attacks him, takes him into an alley with a knife to his throat and says, you're dead. And you, then you now realize, oh, no, Cody's making a point. Like, come on, you've got to be more careful, Beatty said. Uh, and you realize, oh, Cody has now morphed from someone who was trying to kill him when he last saw them uh, to someone who is now devoting his life to protect him uh, because by now he's had the uh, biochip taken out of his head and he now realizes oh my god what i did was wrong uh, and he is driven by guilt as much as obi-wan is driven by guilt so you've got these two kind of old warriors bickering uh, bickering like this old married couple uh bitching about god it was so much better when we had an army at our backs you know uh so noah you know, Stuart Beatty. Uh, we've got some quotes from him of kind of what he maybe originally uh, intended as far as some of these other characters. Curious to get your perspective on this one. Is uh, Commander Cody a character that you were hoping to see in Obi-Wan Kenobi? And if so, did you want him to see uh, kind of fulfill this buddy cop kind of uh, energy with Obi-Wan? Kind of what's your response to this? Well, I think of that and I think, okay, great. Uh, you know, that fulfills kind of the fantasy that some people have had about this story because um, that's not you know that is not an idea that is exclusive to Stuart Beatty mm -hmm. uh, this is something that that people have been wanting for a very long time to see him back to see the two of them together um, for some reason even though they don't really have a lot of play together I don't know that's just some yeah. people not, really love not, Cody not in the movies as least yeah at right least, yeah um, I will say though uh, it's awesome to have seen Tamara Morrison uh, as a 501st soldier in episode mm -hmm. two of Obi-Wan. Yeah. Um, I don't think I could wrap my head around the book of Boba Fett finishing up and then jumping into more Tamara Morrison, but in a different character um, and kind of getting used to that. Um, because obviously that there's no, there's no recasting when it comes to that. That's just not a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so thinking of it that way and saying, okay, well, what are we trying to say with this character? How are we trying to say that this person has an impact on Obi-Wan? Um, I think that, you know, I, there's not a lot that I would change about Obi-Wan. I love that the story was very specific. Um, you and I both felt like it kind of, not that it came out of nowhere, but I don't think either of us were at all expecting Leia to be a huge part of the story. Mm -hmm. And I understand that, um, you know, part of the complaint there is that there is kind of the, uh, you know, what's the, uh, what's the comparison there? I mean, the, the baby and the, uh, 
You know, oh, yeah, yeah. What the, what's the? There's a word for it or a phrase for it. The, I know what you're the, saying. The, as far the cub, the cub, and lone wolf some, and cub. Yes, the lone wolf and cub story. Yes. Um, I keep thinking like brother bear, and I'm like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It just I was stuck on that for a second. Um, but that idea is like that okay, old kind of Berenstein bears, you know, <laughs> yeah, plot yeah, line. <laughs> that old kind of country bears. <laughs> uh, Anyways, yeah, that's like, you know, the Mandalorian is obviously that and people have been complaining about that, which I don't know. I think that that this story does a few things differently to say it's not just the protector of this thing because Leia has every strength in her own right. Um, So I can see how this story may have been different and maybe Mm -hmm. people were expecting that. Um, However... I do think it's not out of the realm of possibility to see Cody show up in other places. A lot of people have been speculating about where he might, I don't know, where he might pop his head up uh, in a few new things, whether it's something like the new season of The Bad Batch. Um, well, he's literally in areas. the trailer, so yeah, I would say that's a pretty fair assumption. <laughs> well, how how much he's gonna how, yeah. how much of a role he's right. gonna play into the story there? Yeah, um, maybe seeing him in other places as well. Hey, if it's so, as much as he played a role in the movies, it's probably not very much. <laughs> exactly. That's what you know. I'm just wondering what you know what the reaction is to that. Where it's like, man, we really should have gotten Cody. Okay, great. Why? Um, you know, that's, that's kind of where my head is at just because I love the bad batch and it gives that, it it gives that thing more clearly. If people are like, well, Obi-Wan should have been this because it would have been a better tone, a better story to kind of symbolize this and that. It's like, okay, great. Go watch the bad batch. Uh, you'll get a lot of that really. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because like the idea of Cody and Obi-Wan Kenobi is not something that I'm like against like that. Yeah. That could be really interesting seeing how clones, you know, are are phased out in the Empire. Like that's a really interesting journey. Um, seeing how a clone uh, is what is that level of of, um, you know, kind of sentience i guess of of how cognizant are they of their choices uh does it get to a degree to where they kind of can mentally override that chip you know what is that idea of past failures and how you use that to propel yourself forward which is like a big theme of the obi-wan kenobi series but the thing is is like Oh yeah, that's the Bad Batch. Like, <laughs> like yeah, that's mostly exactly. what the Bad Batch is. Like the, the the journey that we would see Cody go on, and kind of my ideal version of the story that Cody would go on in Obi Wan Kenobi, for one, is mostly the Bad Batch, and two, what Stewart is describing here. You know, again, based purely on this description and based purely on how this version of Cody, per Stewart's description, would fit into the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, uh, which obviously would be very different if, if one, Stewart had written it, and two, it was a movie, not a series. Um, this kind of buddy cop story to where he also later describes that Cody will kind of be looking after Luke after Kenobi leaves and that Kenobi... Um, or Cody is kind of dealing with this like man against time kind of story because he's, you know, got this uh, this uh, expedited uh, uh, aging process, you know, to me is just like it's not something that I hear and I'm like, oh, man, what could have been? That would have been so great. You know, maybe uh, Stuart just 
you maybe I'm, I'm sure there's no doubt, you know, some more to be discovered here, but this idea of kind of, as he says, like a old married couple with Kenobi and, and, and Cody here is just not something that I'm terribly interested in or something that I think necessarily plays into what I would want to see. I think ideally seeing Cody in kind of the Reva role could have been interesting. Not to say that I don't like Reva cause I do. I love Reva, but I think you know, if we were to swap one of them, unless we're going to have a lot of antagonists, we're going to have Reva, we're going to have Cody, we're going to have Vader, we're going to have a Grand Inquisitor, you know, uh, just the Empire as a whole, you know, like all those kind of uh, antagonistic forces there. I think naturally you just kind of have to take out the Inquisitor role and make it more of a clone role. You know, that idea could be interesting of him, you know, but also I'm kind of like, I don't know, do do clones when they have this chip kind of like have these vendettas of like this unfinished job? I like that. It's really personal for Reva with Cody. I don't know how personal it'd be. I don't know how much the inhibitor chip thing kind of allows you to have that sense of it's personal this time. You know, like I just, to me, that just doesn't quite line up. Um, and this idea of Cody showing up and he and Obi-Wan are now great is just kind of like, well, I want to see the story of Cody and him taking out his own ship and see this journey. So it's just, I don't know. It's not something that I'm like super, super interested in. And I think the things that I would like about this, um, obviously it's all in presentation, but I think in the things in the idea of like, okay, ideally if Cody was going to be in the show, what would I want to see? I'm already getting a lot of that in the Bad Batch. And it seems like we're also going to, you know, explicitly cover Commander Cody in the Bad Batch. So I'm kind of just like, I don't have the sense of like, oh, what could have been, you know, because I'm like, well, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of already getting that itch scratched in a way. So for me, Cody showing up in the Bad Batch is is great because I love what that show has has done and exploring Camino and the sense of agency after the war. And when you are living most of your life as a weapon and that's now taken away from you, where do you go from here? You know, I, I really love the bad batch. That show has a very special place in my heart. So, um, I am thrilled that Cody is going to be showing up in that. And it seems like a lot of star Wars fans are too. Cause when they played that trailer at star Wars celebration and we saw Cody, people lost their minds. It was yeah, Cody yeah. Gungi, and then Palpatine of like the level of excitement, uh, and, 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 that order so people were thrilled to see cody back and i get it i love commander cody but um i think it's mostly because of the clone wars and you know honestly let's keep the trend keep it going animation and uh, explore that character more there because i think that that's where uh, cody really thrives uh, is in the clone wars so you know why not continue that in a spinoff of the clone wars yeah and not only that but we've been saying since day one that we love our sad obi-wan we want sad obi-wan yeah that's just how it is yeah i if, don't know if i want know, like lethal weapon obi-wan you exactly know? <laughs> he's like oh i'm getting too old for this shit <laughs> but it's oh uh, i'm getting too old for this shit you perfect, know perfect um, yeah no yeah we don't we don't need that we we got our sad obi-wan and and we loved it so yeah not no different you know nothing different from me hey and you know me if, if obi-wan's getting a secret buddy it is going to be his old buddy uh dexter jetster of course, of course. i mean of if, course. if we want to say what could have been i think that that's the real one there <laughs> man that imagine that show okay i take it back there are some things i would have changed about yeah. Obi-Wan. Hey, season two <laughs> might be coming man uh season two might be coming we might get a buddy cop uh, road trip movie with uh obi-wan and dexter jetster uh i need that now kenobi has like a smile on his face i'd be uh, very curious to see that but yeah. yeah you know we could always play the kind of oh what ifs what could have been with star wars but to me this 
isn't one that I think is uh, terribly interesting, uh, interesting to me. I do understand a lot of fans uh, and why they want to see Cody, but I'm also hopeful that those people who are upset that Cody is was not an Obi-Wan Kenobi are going to show that same energy for supporting the Bad Batch and diving in there because uh, there's a lot there. And I, uh, I hope fans are able to dive into that story and show it the love that I think it really deserves because I think it's a really terrific show. So, um, Noah, that about does it for the news of the week. Up next, uh, we are going to be talking about Disneyland's Galaxy's Edge. Uh, this was something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time, uh, and I had the opportunity to do so uh, just about a month ago now. Um, got a chance to go to Disneyland with my family. They were coming in from uh, my home, Indiana, uh, and we were all celebrating some uh, graduation, stuff like that, just uh, coming together. So it was a big Star Wars month. We had Obi-Wan, Star Wars Celebration, and Galaxy's Edge, but I definitely wanted to talk about it here on the show because it was, you know, um, I, I, I kind of wanted you to have an opportunity to ask questions about this yeah. experience because uh, you haven't had a chance to go. I know you're also very patiently and eagerly waiting to, to go to galaxy's edge so i kind of wanted to talk to you about it as well as if some people are listening who also haven't had a chance to go maybe they can get kind of a better idea of what to expect when they go uh and things that they can now look forward to or maybe you know try to avoid or whatever so um star wars galaxy's edge no if you want to go ahead i'll let you kind of steer the ship on this and i can just kind of uh answer some of the questions that you have but do you have any uh, kickoff questions for us here i do i think that you know kind of going about this and and asking questions and trying to get your experience um i don't think that the way to go about it is just to say so give me you know give me the itinerary what what all did you do yeah um it's not you know that hearing about you know all the things that you did is not going to give somebody else a good picture of mm-hmm. of what uh, you know what one might do at galaxy's edge first question that i have for you is what like if you had to if you had to just land on one thing um or maybe two things what is something that you wish that you knew before going to galaxy's edge interesting interesting um i don't know if there was anything that i wished i knew um i think i was just kind of taken aback by how not small but everything is very compact you know everything is is kind of easy to access um, <laughs> garrett walked in <laughs> walked into batu and went eh no, it wasn't that at all. It was just like, okay, so the way that the park is set up, particularly at Disneyland, I can't really speak to Disney World because I haven't been there since I was a toddler. But so it's like you walk through the entirety of Disneyland Park because there's Disneyland and California Adventure. You walk through the entirety of Disneyland, get to the end of the park, and that's where Galaxy's Edge is at. So you really get a chance to see the rest of Disneyland and see kind of the vibe of it. But Galaxy's Edge is set off to its kind of own little corner and I was just surprised at one how not crowded it was when I went every day that we had gone over there because we had also kind of popped back because there was food or the some coffee or whatever that we liked over there that would you know uh, have us coming back to galaxy's edge um and it was just so not heavily populated not in a sense of like oh it was dead there like what a ghost town star wars is dying but i was just very comfortable being around there i'm sure you know there are also other days that are super super busy i think i saw a video on tiktok that you know rise of the resistance had like a three hour wait or something like that you know that that's insane because uh when we went i think it was like 90 minutes or something like that but i was just very surprised at the size of everything everything is really easy to access and to navigate i didn't really feel confused about much um i think that that's something that i was um 
you know, uh, not necessarily surprised by, or I, I was a little bit surprised by, but then also like you said, it's like, what's something that you wish you knew? It's kind of like, well, I, I really, you know me, I was like very much so looking into, you know, watching TikToks or looking up stuff online, looking at menus, um, kind of okay. what to expect. Right. Yeah. Here's my answer to this. Here's my long winded answer because okay. it, it just came to me actually. Good. This was the only thing that I was actively disappointed about. And that is, uh, I had watched videos, TikToks, looked online of like, what is good to eat there? Um, and there is at uh, Oga's Cantina is like a little bar situation. There isn't um, there isn't like food really to get like you can snack on some stuff, but it's not like a restaurant. It's just a bar, just a cantina. So you go there and get drinks. Now, the videos that I had seen online had a select menu of drinks, and there was one in particular called the Fuzzy Tauntaun, which I was very excited to try. I know uh, you were. I know you were. Because it had this kind of weird fruit that, uh, you know, you would drink, and it would make your mouth kind of tingle because of the sensation of whatever this fruit does to you. But I was a little disappointed that apparently the menu is, like, rotating. Like, they didn't have that drink on the menu when I went there. It was, like, an entirely new uh, sector of drink so uh you know uh you can you can respond and i can look up and see what the exact kind of drink that i that i ended up getting but i was a little disappointed because i was like oh man i was really looking forward to getting that drink uh, and i didn't know the menu had uh changed since you know people had done that so on one hand i'm glad that it does change that people can you know that new things are introduced but i kind of wish it was like how like you know some fast food restaurants are to where they're like okay, we've got a shamrock shake or we've got the the McRib or something like that, but you can always go get a Big Mac. You know what I mean? That kind yeah. of idea of like, yeah. if that's your favorite drink, it, the fact that it leaves is just kind of a bit disappointing or even more so, I think it would be really great if it was like a secret menu or something like that to where you can say, hey, can I have the fuzzy tauntaun? And they're like, oh, you know, you know, you're, you're aware of our old menu or something like that. And they're able to kind <laughs> of make that. I know you're still buying ingredients and I'm sure that that's not, you know, terribly profitable. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was just a little disappointed that this drink that I was uh, very much so anticipating wasn't available. But hey, what are you going to do? And that is really interesting, though, that that it might rotate like that in a way that's, you know, D Disney is not something that is entirely seasonal, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's not something like, well, it's November, the McRib is coming around or, oh, it's March, the Shamrock Shake is coming around or even like uh, Culver's has a mango smoothie that only, they only do that in the summer, um, yeah. stuff like that. To where you would think that these things are more of a constant, even from a business standpoint. Sure. Why order, you know, back and forth things that you won't, you know, need? Why not just have a set menu and you want to have these things just expand the menu because clearly there's demand for it and people are ordering ordering the, these drinks and whatnot. If you're if you're revolving the menu to say, well, we want to, you know, we want to spice up maybe how profitable this is or, well, people aren't, don't really order this thing, so we only keep it around for a little while. Right. That sort of thing, because I know a lot of restaurants will do that where it's like, actually, the McRib is less profitable than you think. Sure. Um, and it's not kept around for that long. Um, you know, that seems like something that would, I don't know. I mean, so many people come in and out of there, but, um, yeah, I'm sure yeah. getting this like weird fruit that makes your mouth buzz is not, <laughs> you know, like if, if only out of every customer that comes in, you know, out of every hundred, two might get it. I'm sure it's like, well, look how much fruit we're letting go to waste. So I, I definitely understand that, but yeah. 
purely selfishly, I was like, oh man, I was really looking forward to that drink and it's not yeah, here, you know. That's really sad. That's no, really sad. I, I, I do want to grab because I, I did steal, maybe not steal, I, I the, the lady gave them to me, but I, I did grab, <laughs> Uh-oh. I did Uh-oh. grab um, a couple of uh, coasters. Give me one second. He's Garrett has implicated himself live on the podcast. Uh, okay, so I grabbed some, a couple oh, of coasters back. in the the server. I, I don't remember her name, but uh, she was very kind and let uh, you know had plenty in her pocket. So I grabbed a few. Um, I, I gave one to my girlfriend because she loves Ewoks. So all of them kind of have this the Oga's Cantina logo on the back, and so I'm showing Love it to it. Noah here. It's got it's like tan uh, with orange orabesh font, and in the middle, uh, some more orabesh font, but with like a little uh, kind of martini glass with like a yeah. looks like a kind of a garnish on the side. And on the other side, there are different like creatures throughout the galaxy. So uh, the one I'm holding up now is a uh, is a bantha. I gave one to my girlfriend because she loves Ewoks. The other one had an Ewok on it. Uh, this one just has a, a two Gamorrean guard axes. Those so are gra- very, very cool. I grabbed one of those, uh, but my favorite one and the one that I was really wanting uh, has a big Rancor on the back. I thought that one was uh, was really neat. But yeah, it was... Uh, I think that's all that they had. I think I didn't see any more that were the the Ewoks. But I will say, you know, since we're, we're talking about Ogas, the vibe of the cantina was really cool. I think uh, my phone is charging right now, so I can't show you um, photos, but the vibe of the cantina was was terrific. Actually, I think I might be able to bring up like Google Photos. Let's see if well, that I works think and I can I, share I it with you. I saw one photo of you um, with your drink that you did end up ordering. Yes. And you can tell it kind of, it, it has that dimness. Well, I've, I've, got, of... the, I've got the drink uh, on, uh, here if you want to hear okay. the ingredients. Yes. So um, the, out of the, the menu that we had, uh, I got the Tarkinian Night Flower because I, I asked the, the, the server, I was looking at some of these things and I was just kind of like, for example, my sister uh, got the outer rim, which to me was kind of just like a pomegranate margarita with some black salt on the rim. And I was kind of like, I know what that tastes like. I've had margaritas before. I wanted something that is really like, you can only get that here, you know, that with your mouth tingling, you can't really get that at other. I mean, I don't, I don't know Yard House's menu, like the back of my hand, but I doubt (laughs) that they have something like that. So I was really wanting something like, uh, you know, Uber specific to Star Wars or something like otherworldly. So I specifically asked the server, I was like, do you have anything that is like, odd, you know, or has this kind of weird, you know, sort of quality to it that is, you know, kind of, you're not going to be able to find something like that anywhere else. So what I ended up getting was the Tarkinian Night Flower, uh, which the menu describes as a refreshing blend of gin, elderberry, uh, elderberry flower liqueur, uh, with flavors of ginger and huckleberry garnished. And this was the weird part garnished with a sweet hibiscus flower. An edible flower, um, which was uh, I was was the kind of um, you know the unique weirder quality to it, and it was kind of this like gummy sort of. Um, it, it, it did kind of t- not like a fruit snack, a little bit like more chewy uh, and a little bit more um, toothsome to it. Um, but uh, um, let me see if I can uh, share my screen with you, Noah. Well, so I've, you can- I've got a I've got a picture. Uh, someone someone else has reviewed this drink so I can at least see uh, what the drink looks like and kind of what their uh, vibe of it is. Gotcha. Um, so the can- drink itself. Yeah, looks looks very, very uh it definitely has that feel to it. 
Yeah, yeah, that's oh man, that looks really cool. So yeah, the uh, the drink had this really cool reddish tint to it with this uh, you know edible flower, which was actually quite yummy. Um, it did have this hibiscus kind of unique flavor to it. Um, I really liked it, um, and I'm glad that it did. You know, I don't know if I would have liked it any more or less than the you know the the fuzzy tauntaun, but I'm glad that it was like odd. You know, that I really can't get a drink like that somewhere else. Uh, that Galaxy's Edge is like kind of the place that you have to go to. Um, but so I got that for the drink. Um, as far as the ambiance of the bar, Ogus Cantina, I thought was really cool. Um, it had this unique kind of like, you know, uh, the, the way that we were, uh, kind of oriented in the, uh, in the, the, the cantina was at this like standing room only kind of bar to where I was mostly just kind of people watching, just looking around, uh, looking at, you know, they had the droid, um, they had the droid from star tours, uh, which also I don't, oh, yeah. don't forget to ask me about star tours. Cause I have a fun little tidbit about that, okay. uh, but they had the droid from star tours in the, 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 the cantina. And he was kind of like the DJ, I believe his name is Rex. Um, they had him there and he was kind of the DJ playing the music and his head was moving up and down. And that was kind of fun. Um, and, you know, the, the standing room at the bar was not, we didn't have a ton of room. Uh, it's not that we were cramped in there, but you have to have reservations to sit down at a table. Uh, and I tried to get reservations, but it was mostly like, there's not a lot of tables in there. Most people were there were like saddled up at the bar or at these little bar tables. I will say though, and this is a funny little story. We did have a little bit of extra room because the guests next to us had a bit of an issue. So there was uh -oh. a there was a group of uh, four to five younger uh, younger women um, in there. I would assume assume you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Uh, definitely not over twenty one because that pertains to the story. Uh, they were uh, at the bar. Um, and the, the server who was our server as well, cause they were like sharing that little bar counter with us. It wasn't the counter. It was like a little bar table with us, but we were a standing room. So kind of skinny, but long. Um, and the server asked them for their IDs cause they order drinks with alcohol. I couldn't quite hear the entire conversation, but these girls were mad that they got asked for their IDs because they just kind of assumed that you would need an ID to buy some of these drinks. What, is this Don't a ask cruise? me why. Is this a cruise or something? <laughs> That's what I was saying, man. I was like, dude, it's Disneyland. Like they're going to ID you. Also, you guys look like children. Like you guys are like, <laughs> you guys look like kids. Like, of course they're going to ID you. As somebody who has worked as a bartender, yeah, you have to ID people. Like you're not supposed to ID people unless they look like they're over like 45 and they definitely didn't look over 45. So they got so upset. We're still like, oh, this place is stupid, blah, 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 cussing up a storm. They ended up leaving. We kind of just had the rest of the little table to ourselves until the very end of our little block. Like we had to leave. We had like a set time of like, okay, yeah. you guys have this table from whatever to whatever o'clock. I think it was like 45 minutes to an hour. So we were able to take our drinks, enjoy them, look around at the scenery, talk, enjoy ourselves, and then leave at a, like a good time. I didn't feel like we had to like rush through stuff. All that to say, we were able to enjoy kind of the rest of this little bar table for quite a while because these girls had left. So, um, 
bring your IDs <laughs> in case you guys thought, uh, unless you're visibly very old. Uh, but yeah, I, that was something that uh, was fine by me because I, I brought my my wallet, my ID, of course. But these uh, these ladies were not happy. So I, I I think their review of Oga's Cantina would be a little bit different. Um, but everybody else in my party uh, really enjoyed their drinks. It was nice being able to look around and kind of just people watch a little bit and feel like you know you are kind of you know like a rogue scoundrel in, in the in the galaxy and you're looking around and you're like oh i bet that i bet they're a an imperial informant i bet they're a bounty yeah. hunter this that kind of thing of just you know when i went i really wanted it to kind of to you know to kind of um uh, 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 live in the the world as much as I can. I'm not like walking around in character, but just yeah. you know, uh, kind of soak it up as much as I could and and give it all of its worth. Um, so, so yeah. As far as to, to you know, very long answer to your question. Um, the menu at Oga's is rotating. <laughs> it's not the same menu. So <laughs> who would have thought? Who would have thought? Well, yeah. yeah, and we, you know, you talked a lot about kind of it is still Disney, right? It has that. Uh, you know, somewhat of that quality to it, whether, you know, whether you're getting ID'd or whether you're, you know, in a queue and you have a specific time slot to do things. Right. But I mean, what's your take on kind of like, is it, is it still Disney to you or does it feel like it's, you know, a totally separate thing? Does it still feel like Disney? Um, it feels like Disney in the sense that um, there are people there and they have their Mickey Mouse ears and they are, you know, enjoying the the park and it's still got kind of the issues, not issues, but just kind of qualities of Disney as far as like, okay, let's get our food while we're getting food, you go find a seat kind of thing, that, that kind of idea. Um, so that really wasn't an issue um, as far as the immersion of everything, but I will say so we went for four days. The first day, my family knows me very well. And they were like, well, Garrett's going to be crawling out of his skin to go to Galaxy's Edge. So let's go there the first day. So that was I didn't really have much to compare it to. I will say the immersion of Galaxy's Edge didn't quite dawn on me until I went to Avengers Campus in, in California Adventure. And that's because... California Adventures uh, Avengers Campus was not immersive to me at all. Didn't wow. feel lived in, didn't feel representative of the MCU. And I was just kind of like, where is this supposed to be? What is Avengers Campus? Like, what does that even mean? Like, where am, am I? Am I like a shield headquarters? Like, how boring is that? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, in a place that you can go to other dimensions and worlds and all these other things. I was just kind of like, this just doesn't, there's no mo like moment where you can take a picture like at Galaxy's Edge and just kind of, you know, there's so much detail in every little corner. I was very let down by Avengers Campus. And when we went back, uh, to Galaxy's Edge, I was just like so impressed almost on, to another degree of how immersive everything feels and, and how Star Wars everything feels, you know, everything feels very well thought out. There's Easter eggs everywhere, everywhere. Like you look off and, you know, in the corner, there's like a little, you know, crate with netting and you look and, oh, there's, you know, rebel pilot helmets or indoor helmets or, you know, uh, what you go into the, um, you go into the, uh, Oh man, what is the store called? Uh, 
Damn, I'm forgetting. There's a store in in, in the Galaxy's Edge that uh, has all the Doc Ondar's antiquities. That's oh what it's yes, called. you go into Doc Ondar's and that you look up and you're like, oh, that's a you know General Grievous's uh, you know a head and his skull and there's a there's a Gungan and oh that's you know Jango Fett's blaster and you can kind of look in different corners and really feel like you are kind of transported to another galaxy. Um, and there are these really fun references, you know, Docking Bay 7, which is kind of where you eat at Galaxy's Edge. It's like where mostly the food is at other than right. Toronto wraps. Um, that was something that I was like, the, the the level of attention and care really blew me away because Docking Bay 7, it's in the name, but I didn't really think about like what that means. Uh, and the, essentially when you're at the... Um, in this place, um, it's funny that I'm just consistently going to food. Maybe it's uh, telling of how hungry I am. <laughs> um, but the kind of the theme of the restaurant is uh, uh, cargo ships and things would come and they would drop off your food. You know, like that. You know, it's kind of you're you're in a you're in uh, Batu, which is kind of like a, a little pit stop in the galaxy. And and as such, the the top of the restaurant has, I believe, it's like the same type of ship that General Grievous. Uh, flies in on, flies into Utapau on, not the one that Obi-Wan takes and leaves. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. It, it's yeah. like a half kind of sphere with like a fin on top. Yep. You know what I'm yeah, it's like that yeah. kind of ship. It's at the top of the restaurant, but it's lowering down these crates. Uh, and there's two crates, uh, but there's like a gap in the middle. Um, and one of the crates says 77, the, uh, the other one says 83. And we were in line for Smuggler's Run and I was like, Oh, cool. It's like a, you know, a new hope and return of the Jedi. I was like, right. Where, where's 80 at? But you go into docking bay seven and 80 is like being lowered down from the ceiling. Uh, so it says 80 on it. But like, if you look around, there are like these open kind of shipping containers that you have booths in them that you sit down and eat at. So that kind of attention to detail had this great mix of, you know, out of universe kind of references to it of like, yeah, these are when the movies were made, but in universe feeling super, super lived in uh uh and uh you know the, the again the intention to detail was just so so impressive um so on that front you know everything had this great mix of yeah it's disneyland yeah you need places to sit and go to the bathroom and this watering hole the uh, kind of aesthetic to it but even something like the drinking fountain is is star wars you know like they kind of they had this um big tank uh with uh um uh, uh why is my mind blanking so much today that had the same creature as is in the trash compactor uh on a new oh Hope. oh the uh dal da why can't even think of dianoga. it dianoga dianoga yeah it's like Anyway, they had like a, this big tank with the Dianoga in it and occasionally it would kind of pop its little eye out and like look around. And so awesome. like the water that you're drinking, quote unquote, is from the Dianoga's little Ugh. like swamp area. Ugh. So yes, even stuff like that. It's like a just drinking fountain, man. But like it's still the bathrooms in there are like feel like they're Star Wars themed, like the walls on the side of the stalls are like blast door walls. So even stuff like that, every single corner of it is well thought out and you know uh it, it feels very lived in to the degree that when i went to other places of other equally if not larger franchises i was a little let down because i was expecting that attention to detail to be over there and i was like i guess star wars is just built kind of different so yeah it didn't really feel super like disneyland because i think everything was just so uh well thought out again i feel like i'm kind of just repeating myself but it, like it's true like it just truly was uh, kind of like transporting you to another galaxy in a way. 
Yeah, that's something that, you know, and obviously I like I wanted to, you know, kind of ask about the level of immersion, but you sort of answered it. Um, just thinking about kind of the experiences that I've had, um, we've talked about it a little bit. When I was uh, in high school, I lived in Gurney, Illinois, which is the home of Six Flags Great America. Yeah. And I had a season pass for quite a few years because everybody that went to high school in that area did because it was just it was just where you went. It was just yeah, the sure. thing that you did. Of course. Um, and it's just so funny thinking of like, okay, Disney itself is sort of this one thing where each little area has its little pockets of oh, I'm in this, you know, I'm in this, whatever it is. Sure. Um, and you get, you know, obviously you have the performers in costume and that kind of helps with that. And I can only imagine that the Galaxy's Edge, um, you know, kind of furthers that. Obviously you see on social media a lot, the interactions with Stormtroopers or with Kylo Ren himself or yep. whatever that may be. I've, I've got and, a few stories. Okay, good. Because I'll, I'll ask, but that just makes me think of like, you know, talking about kind of the how immersive is it versus other things, I always just remember like being at Six Flags and it's so like, am I, where am I walking right now? Because I'm supposed to be like, you know, I'm supposed to be walking through, I don't know, the, the old West section of this park. Yeah. And then like, I have to stop at the bathroom and it's all linoleum tile. Sure. And it looks like I'm in, it looks like I'm in a baseball stadium of course. and then I come out and then, you know, Sylvester, the cat wants to take a picture with me totally and I'm like, what? I don't understand what's happening. That right. <laughs> it's one of those things that says like, okay. How, quote unquote, immersive can we make this? Um, yeah. And you brought up the Avengers campus, um, which is so funny that it's like, yeah, the the performers there are kind of the main thing, right? That's kind of how you totally. get your immersion is being able to walk up to Thor and talk to him, right? Mm -hmm. Or even in other parts of the park, you know, being able to walk past Gaston or or you know sure. someone like that yeah um yeah I mean what what stories do you have in terms of immersion when it comes to your experience with the with the, the park cast members and performers yeah. the cast members yeah yeah so the the I'll start off with the cast members as far as like just the they're not characters they're just people um I thought everybody was was really helpful and really nice and didn't like break immersion especially the photographers and so this is something that maybe you didn't know I certainly didn't know but. You know, typically when you go to a park, there's people with like who work for Six Flags or Cedar Point or wherever, uh, whatever regional park refer you know reference uh, hits home for you. Yeah. Uh, but they have these people who have cameras and they're like, "Hey, let's you know scoot together for a picture." And you're like, "No, nah, thanks. I don't, I don't want to pay twenty bucks for a photo." At Disney, it's different. I don't know if it used to be this way, but with the wonders of technology, now it is totally free to get your picture taken. It's not free, however, to buy the picture. So there are people who are there who have cameras on their necks who you can just ask to take photos of you and they could take 70 photos uh you don't have to pay for a single one if you don't like them uh, and we didn't end up taking one uh not to say that the person did a bad job but just none of the photos we were like oh yeah we want to pay 15 bucks for that one um but so that was something as far as them being characters the people who were the photographers were super super funny and were like very uh uh into the character as far as you know uh you know give me the credits and they were just kind of they were they were playing the bit well really well so so that was great but even the, the people who are selling food you know they they called um they didn't call it receipts they called it like your shipping slip or something like that you know so yeah. they've got like a script that they fo 
follow, but you know, I try to tell people bright suns and they were always very receptive and they're like, Oh, bright suns to you and all that kind of stuff. But the characters though. So I, I, I think I met all of the characters that you could meet except for Boba Fett. I did see him there because of the book of Boba Fett was out. Boba as well as Finnick Shand were there. Um, I saw Boba, but I didn't really care to go talk to him because that's just like I've seen a million Boba Fett he's cosplays. Ah, he's too I don't spooky. Wanna... <laughs> what is he? Yeah, no. he's so mean. Uh, so I think up first I met uh, Ray and Chewbacca. My sister got a photo with Chewbacca. She reported that he was Lovely. a wonderful hugger. Uh, very cute photo. I was glad that I took that. So Chewie was really uh, was very big and very cuddly. Uh, the shirt that I had on was a vintage uh, special edition A New Hope shirt uh, from 1994 or something like that uh, but it has Darth Vader on it the special edition VHS cover of like the half image of Darth Vader and Chewbacca looks at it and he kind of points at it he's like Ugh. but I was just kind of like oh no I'm a spy like don't worry about it you know yeah. so Ch- Chewbacca was it was funny that he was like uh, interested in my shirt and uh, uh, Ray was with him and uh, uh, I was able to talk to her and uh, she was really sweet the, the actress that uh, was portraying Ray looked a lot like her um, throughout the day we had seen a different uh, I think one or two other actresses who were playing Ray and by far she was the one that looked the most like Daisy Ridley um, she was very evocative of Daisy Ridley's performance uh, super super sweet obviously and uh, you know uh, just kind of had that energy that bright eyed kind of energy that I love that Ray has is when she goes to Takadana or to you know uh, Kajimi or, or anywhere you know she kind of has this energy of like I, you know, I'm exploring the galaxy. I've never yeah. I seen this yeah. so much green, you know, all that kind of energy. I think she really captured that, which was, uh, which was great. Um, I met Fennec Shand, uh, and I think she was like kind of walking around and I was like, is that master assassin Fennec Shand? And she kind of turned around and, you know, was giving me the eye and, uh, just kind of like looking me up and down like, Hmm, I don't know if I should trust this guy. Uh, and she That's was great. exactly what she does in the show. Exactly. Uh, she did such a great job. Uh, but she was kind of, uh, she was sassy and I was, uh, asking her some questions and she, um, seemed like she was, I don't want to say impressed. That's not the right, the right word, but had noted that I'm a huge fucking nerd. <laughs> I said something like, yeah, oh, you're, you're familiar with the, you know, the reports or the, you know, whatever they have to say. They're obviously not going to be like, oh, so you saw the book of Boba Fett streaming on Disney Plus, you know. Uh, so she, uh, you know, had mentioned that, uh, you know, and so uh, that was really cool. Uh, my sister was with me and she, my sister kind of did like a Disney bounding outfit as a uh, uh, rebel pilot. And so she was asking my sister of like, oh, are you a pilot? And you know, asking those kind of questions too, which was great. But, um, I also met Vi Marathi, which I was very excited for, uh, because I had read the Delia S. Dawson's book, Black Spire. Uh, so being able to talk to her, uh, and call her Magpie, which is like her code name. Uh, she also had noted that she was like, you know, familiar with the, you know, the, the reports or whatever she had said, but, um, that was great. Uh, and she was sneaking around, you know, trying to avert the attention of, a of a first order officer, uh, and was like, you know, try to get Intel on the first order and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, the, the, the encounter that a lot of people look for is for Kylo Ren and for the first order, first order stormtroopers. Um, they walked around quite a lot. So most of the time you would see a stormtrooper or a Kylo Ren and, uh, you know, they're moving around, so they don't really 
they, they mostly go to kids and stuff like that, which is totally fine. But um, my sister, who is a big fan of uh, not necessarily Kylo Ren, the character, but uh, Adam <laughs> Driver, the actor, uh, was very uh, intimidated, but slightly attracted to the, the character actor because he kind of like looked her up and down because she was dressed as a rebel pilot and she got kind of like <laughs> kind of weak in the knees. She, it was, it was she, pretty was, funny. she was like, take off that ridiculous mask. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah uh so she she really uh was into that the the stormtroopers um uh were were kind of playing to the fact that i was wearing a darth vader shirt so that was all great so the characters and everybody totally sold into the immersion uh vimerati was my favorite uh just because everybody wants to go hug chewbacca and stuff like that but vi was kind of off sneaking around on her own so so that was great to talk to and i'm glad i was able to talk to fennec shand as well because i know that's kind of like a seasonal kind of temporary thing yeah Uh, so so yeah that was that was great to talk to her for sure i really love that idea though is that you know obviously one of my 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 new core memories is star wars celebration and being able to interact with people that that have awesome cosplays and things Mm -hmm. um but it is so different um where these people's jobs are to be that person for sure instead of just i'm going to act like this person i'm going to you know to portray them visually and yeah you know do a cool pose do a funny line that sort of thing it's it's a wildly different atmosphere which obviously can't imagine how cool that must have been even just to you know be in that that kid sense and be like oh i'm gonna you know talk to the stormtrooper see if i can make him a little bit upset or something like that so that was funny as i was like i was kind of wanting to kind of banter with the stormtroopers because i've seen videos of people like blowing kisses to them and they like grab them and stomp on them you know they seem like kind of (laughs) funny one of the stormtroopers definitely did seem kind of sassier than the other like they were willing to like play around with stuff which was uh which was great yeah that's that's something that i would uh, absolutely look forward to because uh, one you know small question obviously don't have to get into a ton of it but um, what was your you know did you have a kind of uh, inspired outfit uh, to wear to Galaxy's Edge or was it mostly just kind of Star Wars uh, merchandise instead of a reminiscent outfit of anything? You know, I didn't do any uh, Disney bounding is the word for it because right. at Disney, Disneyland and Disney World, I presume, they have a rule that you're not allowed to dress up in cosplay so they won't let you into the park if you show up in full Commander Cody, you know, cosplay. Right. Um, but you can kind of wear the orange pants with a, you know, a white shirt or be reminiscent. That's why it's, uh, people have like a whole it's a whole thing on TikTok and Pinterest and everything my vibe wasn't necessarily that it was mostly I like vintage clothes and I like thrifting so all of the shirts that I wore every day was like a, a vintage graphic tee when I went yeah. to Avengers Campus I had a uh, 2002 uh, Spider-Man 2 shirt uh, that had Tobey Maguire uh, Spider-Man on it um, when we did like the Disneyland Park I had a vintage Goofy shirt uh, and Star Wars I had a vintage Star Wars shirt so that was mostly kind of kind of my outfit no i didn't yeah. i didn't do anything uh, particularly uh star wars themed uh i think a lot of the costumes would um uh unfortunately i think for for women it's a little different uh for guys and just kind of traditionally what the kind of guy cosplays are the ideas that i see online it's mostly just like i don't know wear a vest and a henley and there you're in star wars you know? yeah yeah a hundred percent you're either yeah. uncharted nathan drake or exactly. you're or, yeah. or you're scoundrel smuggler totally. guy yeah but that so, that a hundred percent is something that i when i you know whenever 
uh, Rachel and I do get a chance to to visit Galaxy's Edge. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be picking myself up some cargo pants and some you know and some combat boots and try yeah. to get as many belts as I can get my hands on. Yeah, well, um, they have a lot of costumes and things that you could buy that are like reminiscent of certain characters or are theme park safe or appropriate or whatever. One of the newest ones is like Ahsoka's. Uh, you know regalia and her garb wow. from from the mandalorian so uh, i assume if you can buy it at the park you're allowed to wear it at the park so yeah stuff like that is uh, is great and people are super super creative of being like yeah i'm wearing this you know dress and a tank top and this you know scarf but it's like the color scheme of boba fett or something like that so yeah interesting yeah well just give me a poncho and i will be absolutely. ready to go absolutely um, and kind of you know on a little bit of the other side of you know We've talked a lot about the immersion, about, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, generally in terms of just experience as a whole, um, is there one thing that like that you've seen a lot online or you've heard a lot of people talk about or whatever that in your opinion is just you cannot have that experience unless it's in person? It can't be, you know, described well enough online, anything like that. I would say, honestly, the entire park. Um, there's, what a cop out. <laughs> I know, but I, I will give specific examples. Um, I would say, uh, okay, so I'll go, I'll start off with a ride, go to an experience and go back to a ride. So I okay. will say uh, Smuggler's Run. It was the first ride that we had uh, ridden. Um, it's very fun. Excuse me, but it's not necessarily anything that's like, you know, mind blowing. Like it's fun, uh, but it's not... Uh, it, it's not necessarily something of like, dude, if you don't do smugglers run, you didn't do galaxy's edge, nothing mm-hmm. like that. But, um, uh, it, it is, it is fun. Uh, I, I didn't get motion sick, which I was worried about cause I don't do super, super well. Um, I love roller coasters and things like that, but so the, the, the VR co- stuff the, is the VR ride, which is like a super popular trend nowadays in theme parks. Not my thing, not into it. Take I'll, I'll ride in credit coaster five times in a row before I'm able to do, you know, the, the Harry Potter Quidditch ride. I rode that thing one time and I was like literally doubled over, like about to fucking hurl, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no smugglers run. It was, it was good. It was cool. Uh, we were able to the, I don't, you know, this isn't a, a, you know, a catch all. I'm not sure if everybody's going to have this experience, but I went, uh, including myself was a party of four people. Uh, and we were able to get the cockpit to ourselves, which was great. Um, so we didn't have any like screaming kids or anything. I'm like, I want to be the pilot. You know, it was just kind of like, and you're like, buzz off kid. Yeah. I'm in control. Knock him in the forehead. And I'm like, no, uh, but no, I wanted to be the co-pilot specifically because I knew that they were the one to punch the ship into hyperdrive, uh, which was awesome. You get to do it twice. The first time I have to admit, I, uh, so the lever is like up here and I went to push it. I went and push it up because that's how it is in the movie. Uh, but you have to pull it down. Uh, mm. And so I, I went to push it up the first time. And I was like, oh, wait. And then you push it down. Uh, <laughs> so the first time wasn't as cool. The second time I knew it was coming. And I am I fully aware that in saying this, I am admitting that I'm a huge nerd. Uh, I, sh- I shouted out. I said, punch it. And then I pulled it down. And then, of you course, know, uh, uh, punched it into hyperdrive. So, yeah, if you, a pro tip. If you want to punch the ship into hyperdrive, uh, you uh, better do the co-pilot. So, yeah, the there's the pilot, co-pilot, like a gunner, a navigator, and some other crap, an engineer, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, it's funny that, like, if you only have three people, it doesn't matter. Like, the other things will be on kind of, like, autopilot. 
uh, my sister and my mother were concerned that they would be bad gunners. Um, but they <laughs> have like an autopilot option that you literally just press a button and it like aims for you. Uh, whereas the pilot, I can't remember, but the, I'll just say the pilot is like up and down where the co-pilot is like side to side. My, I might be flip-flopping that. It doesn't really matter. But like one of you controls one direction or the other, and then the other person is, you know, the other direction. So you, you have to work in tandem to kind of pilot the ship. Uh, it's not difficult. Like it's, you know, the the mission itself is fun. You're like stealing coaxium for for Hondo. The, um, the queue for the ride is really neat because you get to kind of, you know, see this hangar where there's a ship, like a big engine a ship that they're trying to to work on so you can hear it kind of fire up and then break down again which was which was pretty cool uh and then you get to wait like in the cockpit of the millennium falcon which or in the kind of the you know where they're playing to jarek and everything oh yeah that kind of area which was pretty cool um i wish we could have spent a little bit more time in there because it is kind of like a queue as far as okay you get in there you're maybe in there for two minutes and then you got to go get in line because you're 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 up so depending on how busy it is in there i I wish we could have spent a little bit more time in there um so I will say that ride was was very cool, but it wasn't necessarily like a, hey, man, if you don't ride that, you're not doing Galaxy's Edge properly. The lightsaber, though, was really cool. So I can now I thought bring that's out, what you might say. Yeah. So I can bring out my uh, show and tell. Um, I did the power and control lightsaber. Um, I will say we went la- rather late in the day. Um, so there were a few pieces of the lightsaber that they didn't have in stock anymore. Um, Interesting. So they, they didn't have a purple sa- uh, crystal um, available. Uh, and then this bottom part of the hilt um, was I wanted ones with like the little vertical slats that are kind of like on uh, Vader's saber. Yeah. Um, or attack the clones, Anakin saber, if you will, but they didn't have those. So I kind of had to get the ribbed vibe, um, uh, which is for fine. your pleasure. Yes. For your pl- of course. Uh, uh, so it wasn't, you know, that was a little disappointing. I didn't want purple anyway. I did the power and control, not because I wanted a red saber, but I just really liked the way that the hilt looked. Um, so, uh, I'm showing Noah here. My it's very, view. it's very gorgeous. I have to say, but I, I will also say it is heftier than i imagined dude this thing is heavy this thing is heavy i could knock you out with this like probably it's hard to kind of spin you know i I can't get like a proper spin going i try my i'm not like a professional saber spinner but um it was funny uh because after i built my saber it was at night i wanted it to be at night specifically because i could take cool photos at night um uh, so we went in front of the falcon and i was like taking cool pictures and i do have some cool pictures oh i saw them they're cool Um, yeah but uh i was kind of spinning my lightsaber as best as i can i'm not very fast with it and it's been a while since i've spun a lightsaber but i was very close to smacking a four-year-old in the face you know oh man you Uh, just missed him i will say his mom should have been paying attention man I'm spinning sabers. Watch out. Uh, but I was very close to like smacking a toddler in the head with my lightsaber. Also, I, I, I can't imagine that you were spinning it without the blade on. That's a, it's basically like. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a, a big, caution. Yeah. It's a big warning light. So I will I will turn. Uh, well, first, I'll, I'll take the, the you know, the. Um, while, you're, while you're doing that, I, I will say that knowing that the hilt is pretty hefty. Yeah. Um, it makes me almost, and I, and I hate to say this, but I've always kind of said like, I'm really holding off on buying, you know, a, you know, an ultra saber or something because, uh, you know, something Neo pixel or whatever, because I really want to have that experience, but I'm looking at it right now and I'm like, I think the experience is separate from the actual thing. Well, that's I what mean, I'll say. Would you, yeah. would you agree with that? So the saber itself is cool. 
Um, it's it's heavy. It's it's weighty. It feels nice. Is all of these pieces are like actual metal, which is cool. Like they like this thing is girthy. It feels like yeah. how I would imagine like a lightsaber hilt to to weigh. You know, so I think that experience is great. Um, the the experience of making it yourself, I thought was really cool. And it's not like you're at like a build a bear. They kind of usher you in and like, all right, guys, we got to be quick before the first order finds us. And the guy has their their speech and everything and you know it's a speech like you know this isn't like off the top of their head uh but the guy that we had was did great he you know he's super he sold the whole thing there's lights there's there's music and everything i would recommend if you guys do it to do it like closer towards the end of the day because also afterwards there's not as many people at the park um so you can take more photos and you can have kind of a cool photo op um outside the the millennium falcon um at night which is really cool um we didn't get to see it because of the weather but they also do fireworks outside so try to we try to try to time it well of like we'll go do fireworks and then we'll go build a lightsaber and then we'll take cool photos and the park will be closed and we'll leave um the weather was too windy apparently so we didn't get to see the fireworks over batu which i was a little salty about but hey such is life (laughs) if that's the way the force wills it i will Mm -hmm. say though so they do have a couple of other lightsabers um at uh, the actual, you know, store that are like legacy character sabers. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't hold any of them, um, other than Cal Kestis's because I wanted to hold that and see how it felt because that was something that I would, I would consider getting that one as well as Leia's. Um, I also know someone, uh, shout out to Sean Sullivan, um, who owns Ahsoka's I've held, uh, his lightsaber of Ahsoka's. Um, and it really does seem to vary based on the character. You know, I think some, Lightsabers uh, kind of lend themselves a little bit more um, to uh, kind of the Disneyification of these lightsabers because they all kind of have these retractable uh, or these replaceable blades. Uh, the blade that I'm holding uh, is you can purchase them. So if you break it, it's not like you're screwed. You can just go back and buy one. They're about 50 bucks, right? Um, which I think is cool uh, because some of those ultra sabers, even if they are combat ready or whatever, from what I understand, I could be totally wrong, but I feel like a lot of those, if you break it, it's like, oh man, that's your lightsaber, you know, um, or these, it's like, if you break it, you can just go buy another one. Um, however, especially with Ahsoka's lightsaber, it makes her hilt humongous. Like it's yeah. very big. It doesn't feel quite right. Um, and then like return of the Jedi Luke's lightsaber, you have to replace the emitter. You have to change it because the blade is too wide. Um, right. so, it, yeah. So you have to change the emitter, swap out it for another one. And that one, you have like a display one and then you have like an actual ready one. So I think it depends, you know, um, but the experience itself is super immersive. The actors do a great job. And then also like plugging your lightsaber in and when the thing opens up and that's your ignited saber is, uh, is pretty cool. And then also with these, you can change the color of them. You know, you can put different crystals in here and it changes the color as well as the sound, which is really cool. Um, speaking of which I do want to Kind yeah, of go ahead and this. get that get that puppy on the microphone. So when you uh, put if in, you will, when you put in the saber, um, uh, it like locks into place, and there's like a little activation noise which is in there. Um, I will take it out again, so you can kind of. Um, I will try to take it out again. So when you take it out, it like activates um, that it lets you know that it's in there. Uh, but when you try to turn it on, if there's not a blade in there, you hear this. So it sounds like it's broken, which is pretty cool. That's very cool. That's very, Um, very cool. 
And they, they, they do that when you are uh, making your saber to make sure that you're like putting it together properly. Um, or that, you know, cause I had a couple of pieces that, you know, uh, the very like core of this, like the plastic bit that you put the crystal in, I had to get a new one cause my other one wasn't working. So, uh, they make sure that your thing is working properly. Uh, but right now I have the red crystal in here. I bought a green crystal because I am more of a light side character than a dark side character. It's not that I wanted a, a, a red lightsaber. I was just kind of like. Well, if I am going to buy like an actual character's lightsaber, it's going to be like Leia or Cal Kestis or something like that. I don't see myself as much as I love Dooku and, and uh, Asajj and all that kind of stuff. I don't see myself buying something like that, but I thought the hilt of this was really cool. So I bought a green crystal and this, but uh, the one that I'm going to play is the, uh, the red crystal. So this is what it sounds like when you turn it on. Very, very cool. That sounds uh, uh, sounds so good. I will turn my light off so you can see it a little bit better in the dark. Uh, it glows up pretty well. Um, it You know, it's not necessarily like... It photographs better than it looks kind of in person. In person, it's very red um, as far as like the core of it isn't white. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it's not like a, uh, like how it is in the movies where the center of it is white and kind of the edge it's red. It's just all kind of red. Um, it's, it's cool. It's not like super, I've seen, I've, uh, I've seen a lot of people say like, Oh, it's not worth the price, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Like, I don't think the saber itself is worth the price. However, it's all about kind of the experience. And if, you know, if that's kind of your thing, I think it's totally worth it. Plus you get a cool fun saber and, and all of that. So yeah, I think the saber itself really worth it. Not necessarily something that you can experience like online, you know, right. and even if you get a super amazing replica of your favorite Jedi, I think you can still get something like that. But I, I really like having the lightsaber that, that I made. And, um, it also just took me back to like being a kid and having those telescope lightsabers. And now I've got something like this. It's, you know, it's like that stepbrothers line of like, Oh man, can you imagine if we had this when we were kids? It's like even better. <laughs> we have them when we're 40. So, so yeah, the, the lightsaber, I, I think it's all about the experience for galaxy. Yeah. Edge. That's honestly, it gives me a lot of comfort because, um, and it, this sounds so dumb, but uh, the job that I have right now, there's a little bit of wiggle room in terms of <laughs> me buying the things that I want to buy for myself. Yeah. Uh, and knowing that for me, Galaxy's Edge is not something that'll happen in the near future says maybe I can kind of separate those two experiences uh, and have a little bit of both. Um, yeah, totally. Because, you know, maybe uh, as far as I have felt before is that, no, I don't want to buy you know, some lightsaber online uh, that's going to look really cool and feel really cool and be very high quality, but it doesn't have that, you know, experience attached to it. Totally. Um, if the experience itself is something that would be kind of separately classified and say, well, yeah, you're going to buy something online. It's going to be a completely different product than what you end up with from Galaxy's Edge. That actually gives me a little bit of comfort into saying, maybe I'll buy a lightsaber soon. Who knows? Yeah, um, I will say so if that's you're very gonna, cool. If you're going to get one of like a specific character, um, it's up to you. I would go to Galaxy's Edge first and hold it in your yep. hands because you can and kind of be like, OK, I've, this is Palpatine's lightsaber. You know, this is might be a hundred dollars more expensive online, but that one is super high quality or what or whatever. You know, so I think it's kind of up to the person. I genuinely think it is up to the saber because I think some sabers look better than others. Um, Ahsoka's sabers in particular, 
I just think are very big. They feel very unwieldy, uh, very heavy. Um, so stuff like that, I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't know. But like Calcestis, I, I thought felt really good in my hands. I really liked holding it. Um, I actually just held it because there was a guy um, kind of just, kind of just, you know, holding it. He had just bought it. And I was like, Hey, can I, can I hold that? Like, I'm just kind of curious <laughs> of like how it feels. I've heard people feel, say that it feels kind of big and he was like, no worries, man. So I held his and I, I was just kind of admiring it. Um, but, uh, then I paid it forward and there was another guy. It was funny. I was taking pictures with my lightsaber and, uh, this guy who was older, he was like probably in his mid to late forties. He was like, Hey man, would you mind if I took some photos with your lightsaber? And he's like, I, I understand it's kind of a weird question. I was like, dude, absolutely. Like, so I just kind of stood there and just watched him just take a few poses and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh man, I know this guy was like in the theater in 1983 and this is like blowing his mind right now. So just being able to kind of fulfill that was, was really cool. So yeah, I, I think it's kind of, you know, it, it's, it's up to you of what you're wanting to get as far as like going to, um, to Doc on Dar's antiquities and buying a lightsaber. There's not as much of an experience there. Um, I would say that there are some other cooler things to buy there. Um, but, uh, as far as the lightsaber itself of building one, I think it's worth it as far as like, you know, buying your favorite characters, lightsabers, uh, you, you could probably go online. Yeah. And that's one of those things that again, like Luke's return of the Jedi, uh, lightsaber has always been, uh, my favorite, one of my favorites, if not my favorites. So good. Um, it's and green has always been my color as well um so that's something that who knows maybe after this episode later tonight i'll just be lying <laughs> in bed and, and pricing around uh what it may be just to, impulse uh, buy it why not man uh, yeah. yeah i know but i have to save up for a new computer this piece of junk is from 2015 man this oh yeah. uh, man anyways yeah. uh moving on just kind of a final wrap-up question um and then I want to hear your story about Star Tours. Uh, but yes. final wrap-up question, um, is there anything that you really wanted to do that you didn't get to do? Uh, or is there anything that you really wanted to do that you're glad that you got the chance to? Well, that brings me to kind of the the big elephant in the room, the bantha in the room, uh, and that is Rise of the Resistance. It that better is be. Kind of, that is kind of the new big ride that was there, um, and I did get a chance to ride it. Um, the line was not too long. We were kind of, I would re definitely recommend downloading the Disney Parks app if you go, um, because you can see current wait times, uh, and we were eating food, and we were just kind of like... You know, it's 90 minute, you know, uh, I, I can't say whether the fast pass and the Disney passes and uh, the Disney, the genie plus and all that kind of stuff. I don't know enough about Disneyland to even confidently tell you what it is <laughs> or when <laughs> you can use it or if it's worth it or not. We didn't use it. I would just say in general, just be, you know, okay, I, I really want to ride this ride. Just kind of look throughout the day and see, you know, kind of how it varies uh, and maybe go to a park on like a less busy day. There are plenty of apps online and websites. I think I used, is it packed to where you can look at not just Disney stuff, but six flags or whatever. And you can kind of see how busy the park is going to be. If you can, of course, I know people are like, I can only go during spring break or whatever. Just try to go at less busy times So you can really do everything that you want to do. Kind of bringing you back, uh, bringing me back to your question. Cause we got to do everything that we wanted to do. Um, we had a full four days to go. Um, we were very, um, I'm very glad that we were able to, to do that because I was able to spend a full day in Galaxy's Edge. Um, I would say if you don't have a full day, but you do want to experience everything, um, I would say 
you could probably see most of it in about four and a half hours, you know? Um, and that's like being pretty thorough and seeing everything. Um, I do want to note, uh, before I get to, to, uh, uh, rise of the resistance, I tried to in doing everything, I tried to use my phone or data pad to hack into stuff because I saw online, you could hack into droids. You could hack into the millennium Falcon and have like the steam shoot out of the bottom and stuff like that and turn on lights and make droids, you know, heads moves and all that kind of stuff. I, I really wanted to try that. Uh, I don't know if I was doing it wrong, uh, but it never <laughs> worked for me. Uh, I tried multiple times throughout. Apple only interface. Sorry, pal. <laughs> I was able to get the software loaded on my phone, but the only t- thing that was able to do was like turn on a light of like a droid's eye. It was like able to make it glow, but I was trying to make the Millennium Falcon like the, you know, like that kind of thing never yeah. worked. So I was very disappointed in that. I would say that was the most disappointed I was, which I think kind of tells you about like how great the part is. If that's the only thing, if you weren't able to bypass the compressor, uh, <laughs> then I think that that is a pretty good, it's a pretty good video. Yeah. So, uh, they're all, uh, you know, getting back to the, the important topic rise of the resistance, um, line was not too bad. Um, we were outside it was pretty hot outside, but not too bad. So, um, a lot of the line, uh, is indoors, which is really cool. Uh, the queue area is uh, very well thought out. You know, there's like little lockers with, uh, rebel pilot, you know, jumpsuits and helmets and all that kind of stuff. So we were able to look at that, which was great. Um, once you actually get into the staging area, of like when you're waiting for the ride they had like this holographic ray and uh uh you know bb8 and people talking to you and it looked amazing like i still was like so so impressed about how real the holographic system kind of looked and i'm not going to spoil anything about the story uh but a lot of the technology that was on display with rise of the resistance i was just so blown away with like it really is disney imagineering to like the the you know the nth degree of like how impressive some of this technology is it was a great mixture of you know um kind of the vr technology but with like you know your classic cart on a track kind of systems there it really was a wonderful blending of the two that i was kind of like i wish disney as a whole would implement this more of like make it a roller coaster, make it a ride, but then use some of that artificial, you know, augmented reality technology and up the ante and make certain elements that you couldn't do beforehand, make it possible. I understand if you're going to do a millennium Falcon ride, you can't have, what are you going to have a cart just like drive through the park? You know, like that's ridiculous. You're going to have to have right. a screen. I understand that the limitations of that kind of stuff. And if you want to go to a galaxy far, far away, using computer technology is the easiest way to do that. But I thought Rise of the Resistance was a beautiful blend of the two of them. Uh, the story was exciting and had different twists and turns. And I had kind of tried to avoid it as much as I could. Um, but it was just so, so impressive. Uh, I know the, the line is super long, so that could be intimidating for some people, especially some days if it reportedly was like three hours. Like, geez, Louise, that's crazy. But um, very excited that I was able to do that. Um I was able to get like the other than that, that one cocktail, I was able to get like a Ronto wrap and the cold brew. I also got um, uh, the I, I saw that they had like the little mouse droids. Um, you could either get popcorn, uh, kind of like the Mantel mix, or you could get like these barbecue kind of like pork rind 
you know, situations. Oh, interesting. Um, interesting. I, I had kind of had a version of the Mantel mix before. So I tried like the pork rind thing and it was very good. It kind of tasted like Lay's barbecue chips, but with like a puffier kind of potato chip. Very, very interesting. But I got to keep the mouse droid, which I don't have with me. I think I actually, um, I left at the, the hotel, but my mom was able to secure it. So that should be in the mail pretty <laughs> soon. So yeah, Rise of the Resistance was was really wonderful. Um, got to look at the market a little bit to kind of do a, a last minute show and tell. Uh, something that I didn't know that they sold, but I was so thrilled to see that they sold our Chance Cubes. Oh, um, wow. Um, I don't uh, know if I've shown you these yet. They had little Chance Cubes. No, those are awesome. Um, and you got a pack of uh, four of them. So I've got uh, four right here uh, that I've, I I keep at a little dish and I have next to my uh, my Watto figure. I just saw that and it was just, that's hilarious. You know, like, yeah. that's so funny. And again, not to like, you know, kind of shit on Avengers Campus, but like I felt like a lot of the merch that they had was just very popular stuff of mm -hmm. like okay it's spider-man there's a spider-man shirt to where it's like okay here's star wars let's have this small random reference or you can buy a loath cat or something like pretty deep cut like a chance cube are you kidding me you know like that that kind of deep cut stuff i was but that's I was, an immediate buy like totally. it just is you also know it was like seven bucks and i was like oh absolutely add to cart immediately uh another thing that i bought that was more expensive but i'm very glad that i bought one is my holocron yeah so very I the, cool i got the jedi holocron which was something else that i was you know to again to answer your question of like something that i was wanting to do uh, I got one of these bad boys and I know you can get pretty good ones on Etsy, but uh, these actually, you can like move uh, the pieces and like, you know, Ooh, and it makes a sound as well. Yeah. So mine is lighting up green right now because I have my green crystal in there that I bought for my lightsaber, but uh, you can hold the sides of it and unlock a secret message. May the force be with you. And based on the crystal that you buy, it contains like different messages from different characters. So the, the crystal that I bought was uh, green, so it uh, has like Qui-Gon messages. All energy from the living force, from all things that have ever lived, feeds into the cosmic force, binding everything and communicating to us through the midichlorians. <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's, it's very, pretty, very cool. It's pretty neat. And if you get like a Sith holocron, if you put them together, they glow like purple, which is pretty cool. So, uh, and you can, yeah, put different messages in there and things like that. So yeah, I know you can get pretty cool ones on Etsy, but then this one is a little bit more expensive. That was kind of my, other than the lightsaber was like my big, you know, my big purchase. Uh, but, but that was really great. And as far as like things that I didn't really get to do, there's not really much like, I was made it a point to spend a lot of day at galaxy's edge doing everything that, you know, we had wanted to do. So I feel like I was able to give it like a really thorough opportunity and a thorough chance. But yeah, we pretty much saw everything at the park. Like I said, it's not like big, it's not like super, super big, but there are mm -hmm. experiences that you can have. So that is, yeah. it's really awesome to hear though. It's obviously, you know, aside from the fuzzy tauntaun, uh, knowing that <laughs> my white that, whale, <laughs> yeah, knowing that those things were like, well, like this is how I want to experience this, and you get to do it, then yeah. that's that's awesome. And obviously, like you said, yeah, it's not, it's it's not that there's way too much to do, right? To to fill your plate, yeah. um, it's just a matter of, well, do you want to immerse yourself in this? Do you want to? 
be at Disneyland and do you want to stand in a line that's going to be an hour and 45 sure. minutes and, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. And, and, you know, your level of enjoyment is going to be, is going to directly correlate to how much you're just wanting to go out and seek, seek those things out. Totally. So that's, it's awesome to hear that you had a great experience, but I am really curious. What is your, what's your experience with star tours? What is this all about? Uh, before we get Why? to star tours. Why I, did you do it? Before we uh, get to this, I did want to answer the, uh, another burning question that might be on people's mind. Uh, I did have blue and green milk. Um, oh yeah. Blue milk is better. I like the blue milk. Green was good, but I liked both of them. Uh, the blue milk is kind of, uh, similarly tasting to an horchata. If you guys have oh, had an horchata, yeah. uh, very similar kind of, uh, flavor profiles there, but I, uh, the, it's, it's, it's a little bit more icy. Like it, it's, it feels, it's not like a smooth liquid. It is kind of like an icier kind of, um, not crunch. That seems weird. It's but got like, like how, crystals in it, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but the, as far as the flavor, um, it it did taste kind of similar to uh, to an horchata. Uh, but yeah, so Star Tours. So it was like wrapping up towards the end of the day, and I didn't really know. I was kind of like. So there's like a Star Wars area over here. Like, what is that? You know, like there's like uh, a different Star Wars store that you can go to that you can get more traditional kind of like in Galaxy's Edge. You're not buying a shirt that has like the Kenner action figures on there. But if you go to um, Tomorrowland, you can get stuff like that. I, it was called like the trading post or something. I don't remember. Um, but it, we did get to ride Star Tours because I was like, this is classic. You know, I, I, I wanted to kind of pay tribute to that. Plus the way the park was closing. So the wait was literally like five minutes and I was like, well, let's do it. Why not? <laughs> That's not um, why the wait was five minutes. Continue. Um, so <laughs> I had forgotten that the ride was updated. Um, so mm -hmm. it wasn't Rex was not a part of the ride. It was C3PO. So I totally forgot about that. Um, but the ride was completely updated to where you put on these 3d glasses and it is like Kylo Ren is taking you and you're jumping through hyperspace to all of these different kind of locations. Uh, three out of four myself not included which is so weird because i am the one that always gets sick on rides uh it made everyone on the ride very nauseous so if wow. you're like if you're kind of worried about that kind of stuff uh buyer beware for sure uh i wasn't uh, uh sick but the funny part about that ride is so kylo ren is like chasing your little transport and you're trying to escape from them uh and the ride begins with kylo like you know, intercepting your ship and like saying there is a spy on board and like, you know, they show an image of the spy, which is like one of the passengers on the ship and your man truly was <gasps> the resistance spy. Wow. They, they put up the image on the, on the screen and there I am sitting just kind of like hunched over, just watching. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah you're caught on like, the jumbotron. Yeah. This is like the, the resistance reward for this man. And I was just kind of like, Oh my God. So I was, the <laughs> I, I felt like Hux. I was like, I'm the spy. So, yeah. uh, so that was really cool. But the ride itself was really fun. It just made a lot of people on my, uh, uh, in my party kind of, uh, uh, kind of sick. We didn't do hyperspace mountain. Cause I also heard that we kind of, after going on star tours, we looked into it and we're like, is this also going? to make us sick and apparently it, it does so we didn't end up doing that and i didn't have any of the other food 
um, at the uh, other places because they had like, you know, Mustafarian muffin or whatever. Like, yeah. and we didn't have anything like that um, in the uh, the store. We didn't buy anything there. But um, yeah, Star Tours. I am the resistance spy. So you're wow. you're you're in the company of a spy for the resistance. The full immersion, <laughs> full circle. We've brought it exactly. back. That is a it's definitely an experience to remember. I'll say Absolutely. that much. Totally. And I'm really looking forward to when you are able to go because I would love to uh, have an experience and hear your stories and your fun adventures. Adventures. Uh, and I uh, uh, thank you for letting me uh, jaw on a little bit about my experience with Galaxy's Edge because I know it's something that I've really been wanting to do. Uh, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear your stories too. Well, if anything, you've given me some uh, some ideas of what I might do for a Disney bound outfit. Ooh, uh, and you've wait. also maybe convinced me to look into buying a lightsaber. So this has been a productive evening for Let's the do it. And then, we'll, and then we'll duel and we'll live stream that. That'll be our next live stream. Of okay, us just great. dueling yeah. with our lightsabers. <laughs> no charity, no guests. <laughs> Nothing. Just you <laughs> just and me. The both of us, you know, standing on uh, mattresses that are apart, you know, on each sides of the room, just fully going at it <laughs> can't wait can't wait uh but until then noah do you want to go ahead and wrap it up and take us home for sure thank you guys so much for tuning in with us we hope you learned something today if there's any topics or bits of news you think we should cover you can head over to our twitter and shoot us a message at scum villain pod but for now this has been scum and villainy with noah DeGeorge george and gary mcdowell and may the force be with you we'll see you next time see you guys